0: Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now it also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe touching literally millions of souls via the world wide web our highly rated free discerning hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding youtube channel and new this year we've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with father timothy gal Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essif, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com com in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word Television Network. He's also the author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life, including Spiritual Consolation, the book on which this series is based, The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits, with Father Timothy Gallagher. We now continue with part two of Conference Talk seven with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: If you heat to glowing uh, a piece of metal in a furnace and then you pull it out of the furnace in the first moments after you pull it out of the furnace it's no longer experiencing the heat of the furnace it's now uh, separated from that but in the first moments it glows with a light and warmth and heat almost identical to the the warmth and the glowing and the heat that it experienced when it was actually in in the furnace and that warmth and light and glowing will ju- will gradually diminish uh, in the in the ensuing time. If you turn on a burner on a stove, and you turn it up on high, and it's it's glowing red, and then you flip the switch and you turn it off. In the first moments after the the heater is no longer receiving heat, to look at it, it would be hard to distinguish it from what it looks like when and and the warmth that it gives off when it is actually being fed uh, electricity. That will gradually diminish over the next uh, seconds as time continues. But in the moment itself, when it is first turned off, and in the moment, the time immediately following the turning off of the electric current, it would be hard to distinguish the heat and light from what we see when it is actually receiving electricity. And even more to the point, I'm multiplying uh, analogies here, when a person receives a sign of love, a letter, uh, a phone call, video, audio, uh, an email which assures the person of being loved, of a person's closeness and willing to help, the person finishes reading the letter, the phone call ends, the person finishes reading the email, but the warmth and the joy and the uplift of heart remain gradually diminishing over time. That's the distinction Ignatius wants us to make in Rule 8, to distinguish the time itself when God is actually giving the consolation without preceding cause from the time following in which the soul remains warm with the afterglow, or Ignatius says the remnants of the past consolation. Why does it matter to make that distinction between the time itself of the consolation and the time following? Ignatius turns to this now in the second part of the rule. For he says frequently in the second time. So the first time would be the time when the consolation without preceding cause is actually present those five minutes of grace for Anne. And then the second time would be the time following when the soul remains warmed. The consolation itself is now gently concluded, but the soul remains um, warmed and kindled with the um, the afterglow of that consolation. For frequently in this second time, and note the adverb, Ignatius never uses a superfluous adverb, as I've probably said before. So what he's going to explain um, in what follows is something that Ignatius has learned from experience that often happens in the time following the consolation itself. For frequently in this second time, through his own reasoning, so as the person reflects on the experience he or she has just received, or through the good spirit, who may be active in this second time or time following, or through the bad spirit, who also may be active in this time following the consolation without preceding cause, the person forms different proposals and opinions, not given immediately by God. Which is to say that during the actual consolation itself without preceding cause, because only God can do this, the proposals, the understandings, the views, the opinions, the content that is given can only come from God. That is given, Ignatius says, immediately, directly, without possibility of any confusion or or admixture of bad spirit, the person's own reasoning, and so forth. This is simply from God. But that security no longer holds in the time following, because in the time following, either the person's own reason, the good spirit, or the bad spirit, any of these, or more than one of these, may be active. And therefore... Ignatius says they, whatever proposals and opinions arise in the time following the consolation without preceding cause, must be very well examined before entire credit is given to them or they are put into effect. They must be examined, these proposals and opinions. They must be well examined and they must be very well examined. So Ignatius wants the person, with the help of the director, to be careful to look well at what emerges in the time following the consolation without preceding cause. Because as he's just explained, both the person's own reflection, reasoning, the good spirit and the bad spirit can be active. They, They cannot be active during the time itself of the consolation without preceding cause, but they can be active in the time following when the soul remains warmed in the afterglow of that wonderful experience. Consolation without preceding cause, okay? Before, we look to see if there was the absence of a cause, and therefore it is consolation without preceding cause. During, to be too analytical again, those five minutes that Anne receives, or those eight minutes or two minutes, whatever it is, um, during the experience itself, when the consolation without preceding cause is actually present, And the soul is enveloped in this totalizing love of God and filled with consolation. The proposals uh, God is calling me to the volunteer program, the views, the understandings that arise in that experience itself during it are given. Only God can give them, and therefore they may be followed um, uh, unhesitatingly. But that, as we're saying, is no longer true in the time afterwards, the afterglow when the person remains warmed. Proposals and views or opinions may arise in that time, they may be good, um, they may be less good, but in any case, they are not given immediately by God. They do not enjoy the same security as what is given during the experience. and so discernment will be necessary regarding what, what is given after the consolation without preceding cause is concluded. In the time following, Ignatius says, so through the person's own reasoning, as the person reflects back with gratitude and a heart warmed on the experience. Or through the good spirit. The good spirit can be very active in a beautiful way in this time following the consolation without preceding cause, but also through the bad spirit. So, uh, through these various agencies, the person may form different proposals and opinions not given immediately by God. And therefore, these must be very well examined. As always, Ignatius, um, this is not a hermeneutic of suspicion. Ignatius understands that very, very really, look, two of these influences, certainly the good spirit may be active in the time following. The person's reasoning may be guided by grace and may be leading the person uh, very much where the Lord wants the person to be uh, directed. But it's also possible now for the bad spirit to be active. And therefore, Ignatius says, we need to look at the proposals and opinions that arise in the time following. Which may add or modify or pursue further what is given in the during. Which is only God, only can be, can be given only by God. As we're saying, uh, that is not the case now in the time following. Proposals and opinions. Proposals, things to be done, actions to be taken, and opinions, views, or understandings or judgments of one uh, reality or another. Okay, let's go back to our experience of Philip. And let's look at this distinction of the time itself and the time following. For Philip, when does the shift occur between the time itself of the consolation without preceding cause and the afterglow of the time following? The time itself certainly takes place when Philip is simply sitting there gazing at the sea. How long does that last? I'm going to be a little too analytical again, but just to be uh, as clear as we can. Let's say that um, this goes on for 20 minutes for Philip as he sits there by the sea. Eventually, Philip feels um, the grace has been poured out upon him. His heart is filled with deep um, gratitude to God and deep joy in the Lord, but he, he knows that the experience has now been given. He rises, goes back to the retreat house. Probably the shift between the time itself and the time following already takes place as Philip prepares uh, to rise and, and leave the seashore. Certainly by the time Philip returns to the retreat house and the retreat continues, he has entered the time following. In the light of Rule 8, then, is Philip's discernment that God, through this experience, has shown him that he is calling him to the diaconate? In the light of Rule 8, is Philip's discernment complete, or is there more yet to do?
0: We'll return to The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. tune in and so many more and did you know that discerning hearts also has the youtube page be sure to check out all these different places where you can find discerning hearts a prayer of saint ignatius of loyola
1: take lord and receive all my liberty my memory my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
0: We now return to The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: Clearly, his sense or his perception that through this experience God is calling him to the diaconate, that perception arises in the time following and not in the time itself of the consolation without preceding cause. In the time itself, only God is at work. As we've seen in the time following his own reason, the good spirit and the bad spirit may all be at work. And his own reasoning appears very much to be at work. Very understandably, uh, Philip, let's say, sits in the chapel that evening in the retreat house, his harp just deeply, deeply grateful to the Lord for the goodness of what's happened. And knowing that something new and beautiful and powerful has entered his relationship with the Lord, he's never felt loved like this before God, and so very easily he can find himself uh, wanting to respond and to love the Lord in some new way, feeling called by the Lord to some new response. Well, he's here to discern the call to the diaconate. Um, it seems fairly obvious that this is the step that the Lord is asking of him. You can see why Ignatius says that frequently it will happen in the time following the consolation, without preceding cause, that these. Men and women who love the Lord and with the best will uh, will form different proposals and opinions that were not given immediately directly in the time itself of the consolation without preceding cause. And this is what Philip does. Clearly his own reasoning is involved. Perhaps the good spirit is involved in this, but the bad spirit also could be involved in this. So, Ignatius tells Philip and his director in Rule 8 that his conclusion must be very well examined before he acts upon it, and his director will accompany him in this. Okay? And that's why I say this is such a wonderful rule, because it helps us find our way through what would otherwise be um, conceivably a pretty confusing experience. And as always, it's, what Ignatius offers us is very usable, Distinguish the time itself from the time following, and it gives you an interpretive key for what uh, is given during, and it also shows you what you need to do with regard to what follows. So the benefits of this attentive examination to what the proposals and opinions that arise in the time following the consolation without preceding cause. Firstly, What God gives during the time itself of the consolation without preceding cause is preserved in undiminished integrity. Uh, Through that examination and discernment of what comes in the time following, the enemy or even the person's own thinking with goodwill, but uh, maybe not seeing things perfectly clearly, uh, there is no space for any of that to diminish the integrity of the gift during the consolation with Uh, without preceding cause. Secondly, any additional proposals and opinions and views and so forth that arise in the time following and that do correspond to God's will are embraced, either as God's grace mingles with the person's own reasoning or through the intervention of the good spirit. So that it's conceivably very possible that what arises in the time following for uh, Philip may in fact be Guided by God's grace, may be of the good spirit. It just needs to be discerned. That's all. And if there are additional proposals and opinions and so forth that arise in the time following and are in fact influenced by the bad spirit and do not correspond to God's will, the person will see that clearly and these will be avoided. Those three benefits arise from applying Rule Eight in the time following a consolation without preceding cause. At this point now, We have been through the eight rules. And before concluding, I want to just bring it all together in a very brief and essential synthesis. But you can only do this kind of synthesis when you've done the analysis, the careful analysis that we've done in the preceding rules. This is one thing you find with Ignatius. When you begin uh, trying to learn his teaching on discernment, it will seem very complex. And there's this rule and that rule and this to keep in mind and that distinction. But as you work increasingly with it, a point comes when you see um, the, these amazingly uh, clear and usable intuitions into spiritual experience, which underlie the rules themselves. All right. So to summarize, first of all, the issue that Ignatius is addressing a person in the second spiritual situation. Who has received spiritual consolation with good and holy thoughts about some proposal and is asking, Is this indeed of the good spirit or is this of the enemy tempting under the appearance of good? The solution to the issue then. In Rules 2 and 8, Ignatius addresses the issue of consolation without preceding cause. Is there no preceding cause to the spiritual consolation? Then the discernment is complete. It is of God. However, be careful also to distinguish, in this case, the time itself when what is given is clearly of God from the time following when what is given or what surfaces will need to be discerned. In the intervening five rules, Ignatius looks at the more common experience of consolation with preceding cause. And in this case, he invites us to give much attention to the course of the thoughts, Watch how the good and holy thoughts unfold as you go through the process of discernment. If there is no diminishment, whether objective or affective, then it is of the good spirit. If there is an objective or affective diminishment, then it is of the bad spirit. And finally, note, if possible, the initial affective resonance. Does it come like water entering a sponge or like a drop of water falling on a rock? And if possible, we have a, um, an indication already in the very beginning of the spiritual consolation with preceding cause and associated thoughts as to whether this is of the good spirit or of the bad spirit. And as we've said all along, if we're not able to note that, with peace in our hearts, we pursue the signs given in the fifth and sixth rules. And this is where it leads um, to freedom, freedom. Freedom from the enemy's attempts, in this case, to tempt under the appearance of good, and people who love the Lord set free to follow where the Lord is leading. I'll just mention uh, that if you want to pursue this further, uh, I've written a book on this set of rules, which is this book, Spiritual Consolation, an Ignatian Guide for Greater Discernment of Spirits. And I'll conclude with this. I remember sitting in the office where I was writing. Uh, Many times when you write a book, the last thing you write is the introduction, (laughs) because at that point, the book is complete, and um, you know what you want to introduce at this point. And I still remember sitting there, writing the introduction, and getting to the conclusion of it, and this lovely line from one of Gerard Manley Hopkins, these wonderful poems that he wrote, uh, came to my heart. When he speaks about the beauty in the world but then speaks of finally um, God's better beauty. And, and, and obviously with um, a poet's eye, an artist's eye, um, just delights in the beauty in the world. But finally, everything leads to God's better beauty, which is grace. One of the things I love about this second set of rules is that it, that's really what it's all about. It's about God's better beauty, grace. It's about people who love the Lord and who only want as generously as they can to say yes to the Lord and whose lives bring great good into the world and into the church and into the lives of people with whom they live and share life. And through this set of rules, Ignatius' safeguards um, retains, helps us retain the integrity of God's better beauty, grace, as it works in the hearts of people of this kind. Um, this whole set of rules is suffused with grace. It's all about goodness. And it provides a sure path forward from hesitations and doubts and possible uh, with be- with the best will in the world, just simply straying from where God really wants us to be. Through this set of rules in this situation, which calls for this kind of re- refined discernment, we are given a clear set of usable tools that will keep us solidly on track toward God and his calling and in- our lives, and that's my prayer for all of us who have shared this time together.
0: You've been listening to the second week rules for the discernment of spirits, an Ignatian guide to a greater discernment of spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and/or to download the podcast version of this conference, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. To view Father Gallagher's video presentation of this conference, visit discerninghearts.com or the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher.